listening to OWA Talks, a podcast from the Optical Women's Association. I'm Tatiana Stewart, joined by my co-host, Carissa Dumphy. It's a new year, and OWA Talks is kicking off 2024 with a bang. Today, we're here with a very special guest, newly inducted OWA president, Dr. Lori Lippiet. Hi, Dr. Lippiet. Hi, Tatiana. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us, and let me be among the first to say congratulations on your recent appointment as OWA president. We're thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Why don't we get started? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, and I'm just as excited to be here. Obviously, it's always exciting for me to talk about the OWA. So as most of you know, I am a graduate of the Ohio State University College of Optometry and founded the Salem Eye Care Center in 1989, where I remained the president and owner for 33 years before partnering with my eye doctor in 2021. So I have been in the role of an optometrist for many years And it has just been um, a passion of mine to be so involved with optometry and the industry as a whole. Prior to being president of the OWA, you were a board member for a number of years. How has the transition to president been over the past few months? Oh my gosh, you're so right. I actually uh, joined the board as chair of the Professional Development Fund that we uh, fondly call the PDF Committee in 2013. So that's about 10 years of board service. And it has been absolutely incredible to watch the OWA evolve over that time. So I served as secretary treasurer under President Robin Crimmins and then vice president under Deb Balkin's leadership. One thing about the OWA is that there's um, a clear pathway to leadership with a lot of mentoring on the way. So it was very key for me, knowing that I was in line to be president, to start planning early and really spend some time thinking about how I could lead the direction of the OWA over my two years. And as you know, I have a great board of directors. I am a firm believer that you are only as good as the people that stand beside you. 10 years of board service, you joined the OWA as a member in 2004. Um, Do you recall, we, we love to ask this question of our guests, what initially got you involved in OWA? I love that question. So I was an optometrist in Salem, Ohio, which is a very small community with no attachment to the industry. And by the grace of God, I started getting involved with doing some uh, consulting work on electronic medical records before it was even a thing. And through that, I actually met a gentleman named Ed Buffington, who many of you know uh, in the industry. And I started working with his company, which was called OfficeMate at the time, developing electronic medical records. Well, they hired me to uh, represent them at a show. And this goes back years. And I was at that show and Ed was the CEO of the company. And he said, hey, 
I'm going to this event. It's called the Optical Women's Association. Would you like to come with me? And I said, absolutely. So I went to my first industry event uh, with a man to the Optical Women's Association, where I eventually met Ann Englert, who a lot of you also know. And Ann embraced me um, to the meeting and introduced me to a lot of the women that were present. And it was through those introductions that I really got involved with the OWA. I absolutely love that your connection to the OWA is Ed, because as you were newly appointed to the president at the recent Vision Expo, Ed was actually dancing on stage at our Connection Series events. So kind of a full circle moment there. I love that. Um, you mentioned having mentors along your way through your board transition to becoming president. Can you discuss or tell us a little bit about the mentors and your career and the journey within the OWA? Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in mentors. And I would say that my very first mentor was actually my father. So my father owned a sheet metal business in my town. And he started that company really from the ground level up, as did I with my optometric practice. So observing my father and his work ethic over the years and what it took to be a business owner, the amount of hours that you had to put in, how you had to really pay attention to what was going on around you with employees, with all the business aspects of things, he really was a great mentor uh, for me in my early days. Then going back to Ed, as I started getting more engaged with the industry at large, Ed became a huge mentor to me as it relates to the industry. So introducing me to people in the industry, um, providing pathways for me to grow with my consulting work within the industry, Ed was certainly incredibly important. And another mentor, um, Dr. Tim Petito. I met Tim um, through a company called Marco, um, which uh, sells equipment to mostly optometrists and ophthalmologists. And Ed was working as a consultant uh, with Marco. Tim was instrumental in getting me involved with speaking, which was not one of my passions at the time. And together, we did a lot of continuing education seminars for optometrists over the years. And he just really stands out as a mentor uh, to me in that way. And of course, within the OWA, the past OWA presidents and another person, Holly Rush, who really has served the OWA for a number of years, have all been incredible mentors to me. I love hearing about our, our male allies, right? We're a women's association, but we really value those men in the industry who serve as mentors and can be allies. So I, I love hearing about those mentors you've had and, and many of them male. So speaking of your journey in the OWA, do you have any favorite moments or memories that come to mind over the years from your membership? 
the key thing was being the chair and then co-chair of the professional development fund for all those years. So for 10 years, I had the opportunity to meet with key decision makers of our sponsor companies who support the OWA. And those relationships, even to this day, are incredibly valuable to me. But the important thing that I learned from them was what they needed and liked and, and wanted more of from the OWA. Because I'm a firm believer that our organization, the OWA, really serves their employees. So it, it was incredibly important for me to understand from those leaders what they wanted the OWA to offer to their female employees. Uh, well, you and the OWA certainly have come such a long way since you joined in 2004. Can you share a little bit more about your vision for the OWA during your term as a president? Are there any changes you'd like to see coming or anything new that we can forecast for our listeners? Oh, I love to talk about this one. So you know that the mission of the OWA is to enhance and promote the leadership role of women in the optical industry, and that our goals are value, engagement, accessibility, and expansion. So as I uh, was leading into the presidency, I put a lot of thought around that question exactly. And I've been a long-term member of Rotary International. In fact, I was a Rotary Exchange student my senior year of high school to South Africa for a year. And one thing about the Rotary International Organization is the Rotary president always had a theme. So I thought, why don't I come up with a theme that I really want to use during my tenure with the OWA? And I came up with the theme of imagine. Imagine the OWA. Imagine the OWA in a bigger way, a different way, a new way, a, a way that maybe we haven't even imagined it. So I presented that concept at our initial board meeting in Las Vegas at Vision Expo West, and the board has absolutely embraced it. So out of that really came our objectives, which are objectives for the next couple of years are visibility, transparency, measurable growth, relevancy, and my favorite, meeting people where they're at. So by that, I mean where they are at personally, professionally, geographically, or in any area of their life. So I think one of the most exciting things that has happened in the past year, in 2023, was the OWA had our first unplugged retreat out in California, which was an amazing success. I had the opportunity to be there and I can't tell you how well everyone did with the retreat and how much everyone loved it. So that was exciting. Obviously we're incredibly excited 
about our signature event coming up at Vision Expo East, which is our champagne breakfast. Many of you are aware that this will be the last time that Vision Expo East meets in New York. So we're expecting a grand event and attendance at that breakfast. And then most recently, we had the opportunity to announce our Leadership Scholarship Award winners. So we're incredibly uh, uh, proud of those women and everything that we're expecting to hear from them as they grow in their journey. But overall, I think the direction of the OWA is very positive and we're all very excited to imagine what 2024 is going to bring. Those, th those were fantastic kind of previews of the year ahead. I'm so bummed I didn't get to make it to the um, San Diego event and I am eagerly awaiting the next one of those um, as well as uh, Vision Expo East. I know, like you said, should have a great turnout um, and be a, a great expo. So looking forward to those. Also on a side note, Dr. Olivia, I'll have to grab you at the next event and, and chat more. I was also a Rotary International Exchange student in high school. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> what, it's, it was life altering, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah, um, it really was. It was very formative. Um, open, you know, opens your mind to different cultures, puts you out of your comfort zone, you know, living with strangers across the world from the life you know, you've known um, as a young girl, it was really, really formative, but amazing and made me who I am today. So couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so thank you for all your work you you continue to do within Rotary as well. That's a great organization. So, okay, get, getting back to the optical industry here, I know you're a numbers person. Um, are there any numbers that you've seen lately, you know, as it relates to OWA that impressed you about, you know, our association or even the optical industry at large? Well, I'm so happy to announce that membership under chairs Liz Friedfeld and Erica Plank is at an all-time high, and I will share that in 2023, we had 210 new members, so that's exciting. Sponsorship under Megan Maloney and Christina Perot at this time is also at an all-time high, and we had in 2023 a total of 58 sponsors, which was a record. In terms of our visibility, which is one of my objectives, we had 52,000 page views, 14,000 visitors to our website. For social, we have 10.6 thousand followers, and you'll love this one, 1.4 thousand podcast downloads. So congratulations, that's amazing. And I spoke about our Leadership Scholarship Awards. We presented 15 this year. So I think the numbers are all positive and we're very excited to even imagine how we can grow those numbers this upcoming year. Those numbers are fascinating and I know they're gonna do nothing but go up even more because of all the fantastic volunteers that participate and are members of the OWA. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, we have recently learned about some really insightful perspectives you have on different stages in a person's career. Can you share more about those stages with us and our listeners? Sure. I mean, it's fascinating to me to think about 
even as I look at my career. So in a career, there's really, it can be five or six different stages, but we'll simplify. So in the first couple, let's just say stage one and two, those are the stages of your career. You're usually in your 20s and you're thinking and figuring out who you are and more importantly, who you want to be. So those are the years that you're learning under a mentor, exploring, becoming established, and you're acting more as a collaborator. Then as you get into your 30s and 40s, you're in the next couple, let's just say stages two and three. And that's where your leadership skills start to show. You become more of an instructor. You're tapping into your people skills. You have more career stability and you're really concentrating on your work-life balance. And then as you get into your 50s and 60s, let's just call those stages four and five, that's your impact stage. So you've arrived. Now you're an influencer, a leader, and more importantly, you're at a phase where you're trying to figure out how to pay it for, forward. In other words, the what's next phase. Mentoring is part of this phase. And the thing about this phase, which is the phase I'm actually in, is a lot of people don't spend as much time planning for that last stage as they do the first couple of stages. So um, as it relates to the stages of a career, I think it's cool to kind of identify where you're at and then figure out how you're going to manage the other stages. I, I think this is such a wonderful kind of um, explanation for the different stages of your career. Um, and you already answered my next question. What stage do you think you're in? You are a leader. You are making an impact. Um, you're paying it forward. So thank you for all you're doing um, at your career stage for us. What advice do you have for women, say, in each stage of their career? Well, I think it's really important to actually spend some time figuring out what you really love doing, what you really love seeing, or what you really love being. And as I started preparing for this, what I'll call more last stage of my career, I was able to do that. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all this extra time on my hand? I was always one of those people and am to a certain degree still that way that always worked all the time. So I only felt like this sense of achievement if I was working and accomplishing things. So now suddenly I'm cutting back at the office. I have more time on my hands what am I going to do? And that's where I realized that I needed to really focus on some interests that belonged outside of work. Thankfully, I had a patient actually say to me, hey, Dr. Lippiet, have you ever uh, played pickleball? This goes back two years ago. And I'm like, no, what is it? And I showed up at our local community center at her invite and learned about pickleball. Well, let's fast forward 
two years later, I'm playing in all the local tournaments. And I will tell you that pickleball has become a huge part of my life. I also, a couple of years ago, had this brilliant idea of why don't I have a greenhouse installed at my house? I live out in the country, kind of a rural area. So I had this um, greenhouse built on my property. And then I thought, I wonder, I'm a vegetarian. So this kind of made it a little bit easier. Wonder if I could grow enough food to sustain myself during the summer months. So I'm happy to report that I managed to do that this summer. I grew my own food in my own greenhouse. So that was sort of a check the box accomplishment for me. And I also, um, my mom was a huge canner. So canning was always part of our life. So I really utilized my 80 something year old mother's skills and started picking up and, and doing more canning. So that's been also an interesting um, and kind of different little hobby that I've developed. But I think the, the bottom line is you really, I need to identify what you love and figure out a way to have more time to do it, no matter what career stage you're in. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. And, um, you know, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know that pickleball is sweeping the nation. Um, I, you know, I wanted to take up a new hobby. Maybe I'll look into pickleball. <laughs> I'd be happy to meet you anywhere and we can do the course. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you talked to us about some of the things you're doing for personal growth. Are you doing anything for professional growth? Are there ways you're still challenging yourself to, to grow and, and, you know, make a bigger impact in your industry or in your work? Well, absolutely. You know, I still see patients in clinic two days a week. So a lot of my patients have been coming to me for over 35 years. And I believe that as I work with other optometrists in my particular practice and or the staff that all of the years that I spent as a business owner and taking care of patients, all of that legacy knowledge is valuable and really try to help guide and, and mentor all of the people that are in the office. I also listen to a lot of podcasts. That's my favorite uh, thing to listen to when I'm out walking. I'm an avid walker. I try to walk seven or eight miles every day. And the thing that I've really discovered is just a better sense of mindfulness. So I'm really taking time now more to listen to people. It seems like when you're busy, 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 doing, doing, doing all the time, um, I feel that that's one thing maybe I wasn't a pro at. And I'm really trying to work on listening to what people need so that I could be a better person for them. I'm, I'm speechless. I feel like 
that was the biggest gem of information here. I mean, seven or eight miles a day. I can't imagine all the listening that you could be doing during that time. And for you to be putting it towards good use and helping other people, it's, it's incredible. That's amazing. I thought I was doing great at like two miles a day. So I know where the bar is. Uh, I once heard that you said that you think more clearly while listening to jazz music. Is that true? And what are you listening to these days? Well, it is kind of true. And I don't know what it is, but it just makes me happy. So for example, um, I have, I, I reside in Ohio, but I also have a residence in Florida. And whenever I walk in the door uh, in Florida, the first thing I do is put on my jazz music. And I, I just literally dance around the house. I call it the happy, the happy dance. You know, I'm so happy to be there. And I just think I associate that music with a genuine sense of happiness. So back in the day, I listen to Frank Sinatra, Kenny G, Nora Jones, uh, Diana Craw, Herbie Hancock, but I, I love Brian Culbertson. He's probably one of my favorites. And I think the reason that I love it so much is because I just feel this calming presence over myself and I tap into that. So if I've had a bad day or if I'm feeling anxious or if I just want to uh, feel good. I I put that type of music on and it makes me happy. I love Nora Jones and Frank Sinatra. So those were all great, great, great mentions there. Okay. So I feel like that question kind of is a great transition for us into something we like to call the lightning round. This is a fun new segment um, Carissa and I launched, and it's really just a way to end on a fun light note and to help our listeners get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. So if you're ready, we'll jump in. Sounds good. All right. So coffee or tea? Coffee. Dogs or cats? Dogs, especially Betty Boop. <laughs> Wait, is Betty Boop your dog? Oh, she is absolutely <laughs> my dog. She is my number one girl, Betty Boop. Oh, okay. How about the next place you want to go on vacation? There's only one place I really love to go right now, and that's down to my house in Florida. Love it down there. What was your very first job? Washing dishes at a golf course. That is awesome. <laughs> well, how about the last book you read or, or a favorite book? I just finished Dan Brown's Deception Point. Uh, my favorite. Do you have any favorite frames or glasses brands that you're wearing these days? Well, other than my rec specs on the pickleball courts, um, I will say that I just can't give up my Jimmy Choo's. Yes, gotta protect the, the vision and the eyes when we're doing, um, you know, activities like that. How about your role model? And this could be a celebrity, a family member, a colleague, anyone you look up to. I would say the only perfect one, and that would be Jesus Christ. Do you have a favorite quote? Uh, you know, I, I love this one. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. What's your superpower? I am the best dog mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and what is one last piece of advice you'd like to share with our listeners? Just remember, 
you'll always get more than a single chance. And I would like to encourage everyone, if they're not already a member of the OWA, to please join. Wonderful, great advice. Um, and just to round us out, where where can people find you to connect? Probably the easiest uh, place to find me is LinkedIn. Excellent. We can all connect with you there. Dr. Lipiat, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of OWA Talks. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe and share to OWA Talks, and you can listen to all episodes and read show notes at opticalwomen.com. Thank you.